Welcome, everyone. You are listening to the LifePoint Christian Church Podcast. Let's get started. We've been saying in this series that you got a lot of problems, and I got a lot of problems. And some of those problems are things like doubt and apathy and unhappiness and insecurity and the spiritual problems of these, uh, of these problems we have all originate in one place, that our view of God is too small, that the God we believe in just isn't God enough. And the first week we saw in our series, we looked at uh, the story of Job, and we saw that our doubts come from the fact that we assume God is just a little bit bigger than us, a little bit smarter than us. And so because of that, because God's just a little bigger than us, a little smarter than us, we assume, oh, we can understand God. We can understand his purposes and what he's doing. Last week, we saw Pastor Derek, who he just did an incredible job showing us that one of the ongoing temptations that you and I have is to reshape God into a form or a view that we like or prefer. Pastor Derek talked about a Burger King God, right, where we have God our own way. And that kind of of God, he can feel easier and better for a while, but eventually that God will will corrupt us spiritually and disappoint us bitterly. So we've seen that doubt and unhappiness, they come from a view of God that is too small. Today, I want to show you how our insecurities also come from a view that God is just too small. Insecurity, if we get real with ourselves here, is something we all go through and we all face. Insecurity is is that voice inside of our heads that whispers to us, hey, Chris, you're just not fill-in-the-blank enough. Man, Chris, you're just not good-looking enough or athletic enough or young enough or smart enough or spiritual enough or, or capable enough. Maybe you got hired for a job and you're not sure you can do it and you have insecurities and doubts. Maybe you're entering into a new phase of life as a first-time parent. Or, or maybe you have a new assignment or a new career, or, or maybe uh, you're entering into retirement and into this new chapter, there's doubts and you're not sure you have what it takes to succeed at this next period of your life. Maybe some of you, you're starting to date someone and you're not sure if you measure up to that new family's expectations and you're just waiting to be excused from the dinner table so they can vote on you, right? You know, and you have these doubts. Maybe you feel called in the ministry. And whether that's, you know, on a Sunday and and serving, you know, as a volunteer or even vocationally, and there's just something inside of you, this voice that whispers you're incapable, you're ill-prepared, all of us at some point go through or are currently going through and experiencing insecurity. So today, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 3, and we're going to look at a a very insecure individual. His name's Moses. And so you can turn in your Bibles to Exodus 3, or you can go on your phone to the YouVersion Bible app, where we'll also be there as well. Moses was a person who actually started out his life with a lot of confidence. I mean, this is a good-looking guy. He's got a high-paying job. His, his stepdad, you know, is, is Pharaoh, you know, the king of the universe, so to speak, at the time. 
But then Moses felt called. He experienced or sensed, hey, I got to do something for my people, the Israelites. And through his efforts, it didn't go so well. And as a result, the Israelites ended up mocking him and rejecting him. Pharaoh ends up disowning him. And even in this process, Moses ends up killing a person. So what does Moses do? He does what a lot of us try to do. We try to run. We try to get away from it all. And so he runs to the desert to get away. He ends up marrying a nomad girl where he spends the next 40 years of his life. That brings us to Exodus chapter 3. Let's pick this up together. We're going to read a bunch of verses to to get into the story. Exodus chapter 3 verse 1. It says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within the bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. Now, that's an important point. We're going to come back to that in a few moments. But notice, Moses thought to himself, man, I'm going to go over. What's going on? I want to see this strange sight. Why doesn't this bush burn up? Again, we're going to come back to this burning bush. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush. And God said to him, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. And then you might be familiar with this verse. It's kind of one of those famous verses. God says, don't come any closer, Moses. Take off your sandals. Why? Because you're standing on holy ground. Then God proceeds to explain who he is. And he says, Moses, he says, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses, hearing this, knowing his background as a Jewish person, he hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Verse 7, God said, listen, Moses, I want you to understand, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I've come down. I've come down to rescue them from the hands of the Egyptians. And then God says this, so now go. I, God, am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Now, it's interesting. Up to this point in this chapter, the conversation has really been all about God. It's been all about who God is and, and what God is going to do. But Moses turns the conversation, and now it's going to, rather than it be about God and who God is and what God's going to do, God's going to rescue his people, Moses turns the conversation and makes it about himself. And he says to God in verse 11, God, who am I? Who am I, Moses, that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Now, commentators will tell us that this verse indicates and shows us that there's deep insecurity within Moses, that he's been carrying around for a long time because of his previous failures. In fact, commentators will point out that when Moses said, who am I here in verse 11, that was actually a throwback to Exodus chapter 2, verse 14. That was when, when Moses had tried to help out and intervene. It was a question that was posed by another Israelite. And Moses had tried to rescue them, but this Israelite looked at Moses and said, Hey, who are you to get involved? Who are you? Who are you? So by Moses repeating this question, who am I? It showed that Moses had been carrying around a deep doubt and insecurity for the last 40 years of his life. Now, maybe that's happened to you. Maybe you've been in a situation where, like this Israelite who criticized Moses, who are you? Who do you think you are? How do you think you can participate and help? 
Maybe you've been criticized enough about something that you've started to believe the criticism. That's what's going on with Moses. And I think this is one of the reasons for you and I, it is so important that you and I would be an encourager. That the words that come out of our mouth, we would be a champion for somebody else and not be a critic. Proverbs chapter 18 tells us, verse 21 tells us that our words literally have the power to kill somebody or destroy somebody. So Paul said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11, he said, I want you to be people who encourage one another. I want you to build others up. Encourage others. Build them up because our words have power to destroy. And the words that came at Moses were such that he had been destroying him for 40 years. In response to Moses' question, who am I? Because again, he's full of insecurity. God said in verse 12, I will be with you. Now that's interesting. As you think about this, notice how God is dealing with with Moses' insecurities. He didn't say to Moses, Moses, I want you to look into the mirror, repeat after me. I'm Moses. I'm a rock star. I can do this. That's not what goes on here. That's not what God says to him. He doesn't tell Moses, Moses, find your inner strength. Go after that. It wasn't some self-help talk by God. On the contrary, God just shifts the narrative. And he shifts it back to himself. And he simply says to Moses, Moses, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be with you. I want us to understand, in order for you and I to have real bravery, real confidence, real security, it doesn't come because we have a better assessment of ourselves. It comes when you and I have a clearer view of Almighty God. It comes when you and I have a bigger, larger, more grand view of God, the God of the Scriptures. But Moses still doesn't get it. He keeps talking about his deficiencies. And so in the next verse, in verse 13, we find out that Moses is like, well, well, what about this? And what if this happens? And what if I do this? What should I do then? If they do this, what should I do? And God essentially ignores Moses' questions. And for the next nine verses, the remainder of the chapter, God, God focuses entirely on what he, God, has done in the past, is doing today, and will do in the future. All, Moses, all God does, the rest of the chapter, it's, here's, here's, I'm God, I've done this, I'm doing this, and I'm going to do that. He's trying to give Moses a bigger, larger, grander view of God. God wanted Moses to understand, Moses, this is not about you having what it takes. It's about me accomplishing my purposes. And yeah, you'll have a role in it, but it's my power, God says. It's my success, God says. I don't need you, Moses, to be a victor. I simply need you to be someone who's a vessel, someone who's open to be filled by God. Listen, our confidence does not come by you and I tapping into our inner strength or our inner potential or figuring something special or unique about ourselves. Our confidence only comes, our security only comes, our courage, our bravery, it only comes when we see how big God truly is, how powerful God truly is, and then we discover his purposes in our lives. 
And when we go after that, and when we focus on that, that's when God begins to develop inside of us the person he wants us to be, he's called us to be, and we have this security not in ourselves, but in Almighty God. Prior to starting LifePoint, by God's grace, Heather and I were, were able to be involved in three student ministries. And by God's grace, we, saw, we just saw great things and, and a lot of success. And we saw God grow the ministries. We saw kids constantly getting saved. And, and we saw kids uh, going into full-time ministry. And those who didn't go, students who didn't go into full-time ministry, man, they were disciples of Christ in whatever route they went with their life, wherever they headed in their life. And we'd stay in touch and we'd stay in touch and, and see what God is doing in their lives. And it's incredible. And we look at that. And we look back and say, man, praise God. It's all God. It's all God's grace. That's a youth ministry. But starting a church, that's a whole different animal. And I found myself early on, even before we opened the doors, sitting there saying, who am I? Who am I? Man, I am underqualified. I'm unqualified. I'm ill-equipped. I'm inadequate. I don't have what it takes. And God came, came to me and said, Chris, are you done talking about you? Are you done focusing on you like Moses was doing? God said, I want this church. Life Point's my church, Chris, not yours. Not even the people's. It's my church. I'll provide. You see, I had to come to grips with God then, and frankly, I still have to do it from time to time now. Come to grips with who God really is. Not who I am, but who He is. It's not, it's God's church. It's not mine. It's not me, but it's Him. It's not you, but it's Him. When you and I come to that place, when we have a true awareness of who God really is, when we see God, when we get wrapped up in His purposes, when we surrender to His will and to His direction, then we can have the confidence knowing that our life is just, it's primarily about fulfilling God's will in our life. It's primarily about fulfilling God's purposes in our lives, that we are a vessel for God to use. That's where real confidence comes from. That's where real security comes from. That's where real courage comes from. And that's where a sense of purpose begins and grows in us. So maybe you're heading into a job interview. Maybe you're in a promotion process at your work, and and you're going to be someone who says, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to rely on God, not on my strength. Sure, I'm going to do my best and forget the rest. Sure, I'm going to do what I can do, but I leave it in God's hands. I think about Nehemiah. Remember Nehemiah? We looked at him last year. Nehemiah was somebody who had to go before the king, and he had this incredible request, and he he was shooting for the moon. He wanted, he wanted protection. He wanted to be able to go on like a permanent vacation and leave his, his post. He wanted, he wanted resources. He wanted it all. But Nehemiah didn't go before the king with his amazing qualifications. He just prayed. He talked about he prayed, and then he just went to the king, said, King, can you help me? And what did God do? God resourced him, and God provided for him. Nehemiah understood it was all up to God and not himself. 
So this is what God is trying to keep. He's just trying to show Moses and help Moses to understand. Moses is maybe getting it, maybe a little. And so Moses is like, okay, all right, God, let's play this out a little bit. Let me, let me think this through. So Exodus chapter 3, verse 13, Moses said to God, well, okay, God, suppose I go to the Israelites and I tell them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And if they ask me, what is his name, then what am I going to tell them? Verse 14, God said to him, I am who I am. This is what you're to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Now, you and I hear that and we go, if you've been in church a long time, you kind of get it. You're like, okay, I am. We get that. We've heard that. But can you imagine actually using that in a conversation with somebody? Hey, who, who, by what authority? What are you doing here? And you go to someone and say, well, I am sent me. Tell me how that's going to go. They're going to say, uh, you're nuts. Excuse me. Goodbye. Don't want to talk to you. But if we understand what it's talking about and what we're seeing here, it might help us. The name I am in Hebrew is the name Yahweh. There's actually, there's actually I'm not going to get into etymology here, but there's, there's no uh, vowels in God's name here. And, and it's Yahweh. And, and actually, in the, Lat, the English version of the Latin translation of Yahweh is Jehovah. So let me say that again, because you hear that name. I've heard of Yahweh. I've heard of Jehovah. Yahweh is the name of God. The English version of the Latin translation is Jehovah. And so actually, Bible translations now are actually going back to using Yahweh more than Jehovah. It's kind of a new, like it's more true to God's real name. And it literally means, as God said, I am. It's hard to describe this. In fact, it's even a verb, and so how do you describe it? It means I will be what I will be. And it means I am the one who is. That makes sense to me. I am the one who is. I just am. I'm the one who is. There's nothing before, after. There's nothing. And the name was so holy. And, and, and the Orthodox Jews stand in such awe at the name of God that they won't say the name of God. And so Jewish, Orthodox Jewish people, they don't say his name. And so what they actually say, when they say God's name, what they actually say, what they call him is Hashem. And some of you are like, maybe, oh, you've heard Hashem before. What does that mean? It literally means the name. So they don't actually address God by him because they take it in such a, this is God. They have such a big, grand view of God. They won't even say his name. So they just say Hashem, the name. God was saying to Moses, I am not like anything you've ever experienced. I am. So I don't have needs. I am. So I don't require any help. I am, so I don't get tired. I am, so I don't have any limits. I am, so I don't have a beginning. I don't have an end. I am, so I am unbounding. I am unchanging. I am, so I am always and forever the same. How big is your God? Amen. Thank you. Somebody clapping for the Lord. In other words, Moses, I'm not intimidated by Pharaoh. (laughs) Give me a break. Moses, I'm not intimidated by your inabilities. And by the way, God's showing up in the burning bush, 
It gives us a glimpse. We're getting the I am-ness of God in this passage. It gives us a glimpse into God's nature, his self-sustaining nature. What do I mean by that? Well, think about a fire. In order for a fire to burn or continually burn, what does it require? It starts with an F, fuel. You need fuel for a fire to burn, and when the fuel burns out, the fire burns out. Think about God. The fire didn't burn up or burn out. That fire was self-sustaining in the moment. It didn't require any fuel. It didn't burn up. God is saying, I am eternal. I need no fuel. Nothing precedes me. Nothing sustains me. Nothing contains me. How big is your God? So, God's saying, listen, Moses, since I'm the eternal I am, since I'm on your side, you don't actually need anything else. That's all you need. Okay, God, God, I get that, but, but practically, God, help me out a little bit. No, 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 I am. All the areas of our life where we feel insecure, all the areas of our life where we lack courage and boldness and confidence, all the places where you feel like you aren't, God says, I am. He speaks into every area of our insecurity, every area of our doubt. In other words, it's just not about you. And it's not about me. It's always and only about I am, the great I am. Now, you may say, and I may say, amen, with our mouths and with our souls. But that doesn't always rise up in our heart and our mind. What am am I talking about? Our inclination is to hear that, but our inclination is to look within rather than to look without. Our inclination is to say, yeah, God, I get it. Praise God. You're the I am. But practically, God, I need a little help here. Practically, God, okay, God, praise God. That's great. It preaches great. But practically, is anybody connecting with this yet? Because practically, we're saying, okay, what does that mean? How does that help me? Because what we do is we look at someone like Moses and say, we're like, okay, God, I get it. You're I am. But we look at Moses and say, yeah, but... Okay, practically speaking, Moses is uniquely qualified. I mean, this guy is a perfect person for God to use. Think about it. He spent the last 40 years in the wilderness taking care of sheep. The Israelites are going to escape from Egypt and go where? To the wilderness, to the desert. Moses knows the terrain. Moses knows the mountaintops. Moses knows the watering holes. He's qualified. Plus, he's a sheep herder. He knows all about how to manage and gather and work with unruly crowds, right? What else? Well, he's the former son of Pharaoh. So that means he has the best education of anybody in the world. So Moses learned to read and to write legal documents. He understood government. He understood everything related to institution and law. He understood being in charge. He understood authority. He understood and was trained in leadership. Moses was exceptionally qualified from our perspective. Practically, God. We see that. We focus on that. 
It is interesting. Mo- Moses didn't focus on that because he was filled with so much insecurity. And I will tell you this, you and I are always going to be filled with insecurity when our focus is on ourselves. Always, when we say and look at our life and who we are and focus internally, and we're going to start, our brains will start telling us we are not blank enough. That's what we will do. Pull out social media and that just speeds it up and makes it worse. When we focus on self, the conclusion we will draw is I am not something enough. What's interesting, God in trying to give Moses confidence and boldness, God doesn't say to Moses, hey, listen to Pastor Chris. Look at all those ways you're gifted. Man, you're incredible. I've been preparing you. You have what it takes. Practically, look at all this. God doesn't say that. God simply says, Moses, I'm with you. That's all he gets. Yeah, God, but practically. You see what I'm saying? That's where we go. We hear this. It preaches well, but we, we amen. But we're always like, God, but practically. God says, you can walk forward in confidence knowing that I've called you. I'm going to supply you. I am. I am. God doesn't deal with Moses' insecurities by teaching Moses to understand himself, Moses, better. God just deals with Moses' insecurities, his lack of confidence, his, his, his uh, lack of courage, by just calling Moses to focus on who God is. Again, our confidence does not come from a clearer self-assessment of ourselves. It comes from a clearer view of the God of the universe. In fact, you look throughout Scripture, you just see that God, more often than not, chooses the person who says, why would God choose me? Throughout Scripture, we see that God chooses that person, not the person who says, hey, God, here's my credentials. I'm going to tell you why you should make me the number one pick in your draft. I'm talented. Look at this, God. That's not what God does. God prefers the broken, those who feel insufficient, those who choose to lean on him. The Apostle Paul talked about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and he said, hey, brothers and sisters, I want you uh, to remember that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. In other words, you didn't have what it takes. Instead, God chose things the world considers foolish, in order to change those who to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. It seems to me God is telling us that feeling inadequate is a prerequisite to be used by God. Sign me up, I'm good. I got a whole lot of inadequacy. Moses says, God, I'm not good enough. I'm not skilled enough. I'm not confident enough. And God just says, I know, but I am. And so, throughout Israel's history, God would step into their circumstances and step in their situations, and he would invoke his I am name, and then he would speak into whatever circumstance or need that they had, and he would attach to that I am name 
whatever the Israelites lacked in those moments. And so here's what I want you to do. You might want to take out a pen and paper right now or on your phone go to notes or something. You're going to want to write these down or just grab your phone and take pictures. I would really encourage you to do this because, again, you get to this point where you see God says, I am, and then he, he, whatever the need was, he attached this attribute. So you have the name Yahweh or Jehovah, and then there's, there's, there's the name. So, for example, in Exodus, when the people of Israel were wounded and they were sick because of their sin, God revealed himself as Jehovah Rapha, which means I am your healer. In Leviticus, when Moses laid out the law and the people were like, oh my goodness, how can we do this? How can we follow this? How can we ever live this way? And God answered with Jehovah, and you're just going to have to pronounce that name yourself. God said, I am, this is what that word is, I am your sanctifier. In other words, I am the God who enables you to walk with me. When Jeremiah was discouraged by uh, Israel's just persistent inability to walk faithfully before God, and he was just wondering, man, how can we survive? Man, we're so sinful. God responded with Jehovah Sid Canoe. I'm Jehovah Sid Canoe. I'm your righteousness. You're not righteous. I'm your righteousness. In Ezekiel's, in Ezekiel's day, when the people of Israel, they felt alone, they felt scared, their enemies were all around them. And God said he was Jehovah Shema. I am the God who is ever present with you right now, no matter where you're at. When David felt lost and he felt confused, he felt like, man, I don't even have any friends in the world, he called God Jehovah Ra'ah. I am the good shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. When Abraham went through circumstances that he felt were impossible and he didn't see a way out of those circumstances, God said it to Abraham, I am Jehovah Jireh. I am your provider. And when uh, Isaiah wasn't sure he was even going to survive another day. God said, and God was Jehovah Sabaoth, I'm the defender who fights for you. Or another translation, I'm the, the Lord of hosts. How big is your God? You get to the New Testament and Jesus isn't finished. Because God is still God. So God is, I am. And so what did Jesus do? Jesus said, I am. Multiple times in multiple conversations. And so he stepped into our lives in whatever area of brokenness we might have or whatever area of need we might have, in whatever area of insecurity we have or doubt or lacking confidence or we have concerns. Jesus said to us, man, you're hungry? No worries. I'm the bread of life. You're thirsty? No worries. I am the, the living water. I mean, you are, feel like you're in darkness and your life is just weighing you down and you can't see a way out. Jesus said, no worries. I am the light. You feel like you need a fresh start, even including salvation. And Jesus said, I'm the door. I'm that way in. Maybe some of you say, man, I just feel like I'm all alone and I've been abandoned. And Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. Imagery, good shepherd, leaves the 99. I'm going to go hunting you down, the one, because I care about you. You feel lost. Jesus tells you and I, I'm the way. 
you feel like, man, I, I don't know what's right. I don't know what's true. There's all this information, disinformation, fake news, all of this. Jesus says, no worries. I'm the truth. You say to yourself, I, I'm a little bit afraid of death. I don't know what awaits me. I don't know what's going to happen to me when I die. I don't know where I will go after this life. And Jesus says to you and I, I am the life. I know, I know, I know, I know. You carry around insecurities, all kinds of deficiencies, all kinds of worries, all kinds of feelings of inadequacy as a parent, as a, as a father, as a mother, as a spouse, as a work co-worker, as a worker, as an employer, as an employee, even as a Christ follower. I totally get it because I struggle with that too. And the answer to our insecurities is getting a larger, grander, bigger view, more scriptural view of God. How big is your God? And when you find yourself saying, I am so doubtful, God will step in and say, yeah, but I'm so faithful. You find yourself saying, man, I'm just full of dysfunction. I'm so dysfunctional. And God says, yeah, but don't worry, I'm, I am complete. You say, I, I'm deficient. And God says, yeah, but I'm sufficient. You say, but I'm full of sin. And I'm sinful. And God says, you know what? I'm graceful. Some of you are right now feel like you're at the end of your rope. And God looks at you and he says, don't worry, I got another one. And it extends all the way to the end of eternity. I got you. So I'm going to ask you, do a little homework this week. We'll start it right now. And here's what I'm going to ask that you do. Name your insecurity or your insecurities. Name it. Write it out and say, just put it on paper. Say, okay, God, here we go. I am not blank enough. And fill that in. Have a heart-to-heart -heart with God. And then after you write that, say, I am not blank enough. And then write, yet in Christ, I am. And then fill in Christ's sufficiency to what you need that God has for you. Would you be willing to do that? Don't walk out of here and just go, okay, it's time for a hurry up. Brunch is coming. We got to get out of here. We got to take it. Don't do that. Step into this. How big is your God? How big is your God? As we wrap it up, God appeared to uh, Paul. He wasn't the Apostle Paul yet. He saw Paul and he appears to him. And uh, he wasn't in a burning bush this time. Saul was a, Paul saw, he was a wreck, just like Moses. Uh, so wrapped up in his, his, his religiosity and his pharisaicalism, he was just messed up. God shows up to him, not as a burning bush, but as a blazing light. And he said to Paul, as he fell before Almighty God, and God said in Acts chapter 26, he said to Paul, get to your feet. For I've appeared to you to appoint you as my servant and witness. Tell them what you've seen, just like Moses. Tell them what you've seen. And tell them what I will show you in the future. I suspect some of us right now, we've fallen. We're on our knees. We're on our face. 
and we're full of our insecurities. And I imagine God is speaking to you right now and he is saying, get up. Get up. Stop looking at your limitations. Instead, look to the power and the fullness and the faithfulness of the Christ who is calling you. How big is your God? You get a grander view of Almighty God and who he is, the God of the scriptures, the God of the Bible, the God of the universe, and you can overcome any insecurity because it's all about him. God says to you, I am the one who is. I got you. Set aside the, yeah, but practically God. Set it aside. Hear God's voice, I am. Let's pray. We hope you enjoyed today's message. You can learn more about us by visiting us online at lifepoint.org. If you are ever in the Sacramento area, we would love to see you in person. Events and service times can be found on our website. Thank you for listening, and we hope you join us for our next episode.